evidence and answers. You see them walking in your neighborhoods, knocking on doors, sharing their faith. Do you pretend you're not home or do you engage in conversation? How do we reach our Jehovah Witness friends for Christ? Today you'll gain insights as Cynthia Hampton shares her journey out of the watchtower to faith in the true Jesus of the Bible. You're tuned to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zucharin. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the arena of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. If you're unable to hear this entire broadcast, all of our messages are available on our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Now, listen in as our host, Pat Zucharin, interviews Cynthia Hampton and discusses her journey out from under the Watchtower cult to Christianity. But the minute she found out that I accepted Christ as my Savior and I became a Christian, she went ballistic on me. And she told me she never wanted to see me again since I was uh, like the dog going back to the vomit. And that hurt. And she shunned me for many, many years. She no longer shuns me because she's now 85 years old and, and uh, very... she's. She's not real ill, but she has dementia, so uh, she kind of has forgotten that she's supposed to shut me. (laughs) So we have a much better relationship now with my mother having dementia because she doesn't remember what she believes anymore. (laughs) Yes, it's a practice uh, that's common in cult organizations called shunning. And it's a very hurtful thing because, you know, remember, as you stated, you know, your world was that organization. And when they cut off complete communication, those coming out of the Jehovah Witness or Mormonism or whatever find themselves completely isolated and alone. And that can be a very scary thing. Was that the situation for you? Yes, I was alone. I, you know, I lost all my friends. I lost my mother, my brother, my aunt, my cousins, none, none of them. And, the, and they were the closest people to me, and I lost them all. Fortunately, you know, my sister uh, came out of the organization the same year I did. And so I, I had her, and, and then I had other relatives that were not Jehovah's Witnesses. So I had kind of a cushion there because not all my family joined the Jehovah's Witnesses. In fact, there were several family members who were very much against my mother and my aunt joining the Watchtower organization, and they were very glad when I left. So at least I had them, and I was able to have be surrounded by, you know, other aunts, uncles, and cousins. Yes, and that's one of the things people need to understand, that you need to be real patient with your Mormon, Jehovah Witness, International uh, Church of Christ, the other people in these kinds of organizations, because it is a very scary and difficult exodus process as you experienced. Yes, and, and so when you have no more friends and you have no more family and nobody wants to talk to you, you know, it's hard, you know, as an adult, you know, and I've met, you know, other adults or middle-aged adults and it's, and it's hard for them to make friends. And that's why I run a support group <laughs> so that they can come and make friends and meet other people who have been down the same path they have and they can all tell their stories to each other. And so it's kind of like, we're all family here now. <laughs> and I've, uh, had ex-Jehovah's Witnesses uh, come to my group, and one for one guy, we gave him his first real birthday party last month, and, and he was so happy. He'd never celebrated his birthday before, and he was, you know, already middle-aged, and so we, we threw a birthday party for him, and I baked him a cake, and, and he was just so happy about that. 
So it's these kinds of things, you know, showing love that, that really goes a long way. Yeah, fantastic. Okay, getting on a side note, Cynthia, tell us why that person didn't have a birthday as a Jehovah Witness, a birthday party growing up as a Jehovah Witness. Jehovah's Witnesses are taught that celebrating their birthday is, is a, like a pagan celebration, and it's like idolatry. In fact, they will always hone in on, on the, the two events in the Bibles where birthdays are mentioned, and, and one of them is, you know, when John the Baptist was beheaded, <laughs> and the other is when Joseph was, was in, in prison, and it was Pharaoh's birthday, and the, the baker was uh, put to death for something. These are the only citations of birthdays in the Bible, and every time there was a birthday party, something bad always happened, and there was always a murder. So what they do is they make you phobic about birthdays. <laughs> so there's no celebrations. There's, and so they've taken away all the joy and all the celebration, no matter if it's birthdays or holidays or, or whatnot. And, and so everything revolves around this dour organization. Yes. You know, one of the marks of a cult organization is a very legalistic lifestyle, which you and those in the organization uh, were experiencing. You know, another one that people may be asking a lot about is that Jehovah Witnesses don't celebrate Christmas. Why is that? Because they think Christmas is another pagan holiday. In fact, they will cite that Christmas is another type of Saturnalia that the Romans uh, celebrated, and all the traditions that, that most people do at Christmas are, are all from, from, uh, from pagan celebrations. So they not only discourage celebrating Christmas, they forbid celebrating Christmas. And... Instead of thinking that, that Christians are celebrating the time that Christ came into the world, they reject it, and they don't even want to think about it. They ignore it because they think it's all pagan, and if it's pagan, it must be bad. Yes. Now, uh, let's talk a little bit about some of the major doctrinal differences between uh, you know, Jehovah Witnesses and biblical Christianity that you touched on earlier on. Some of the key differences, you mentioned one, is the doctrine of the Trinity. Tell us what's the difference there. Well, according to Jehovah's Witnesses, well, they, they reject the Trinity because they say it's a pagan doctrine. So uh, what they have is Jehovah, the Father, and he created his son, an angel, and named him Michael. <laughs> and and that's, that's, the, that's the son. And, and then that son came to live on earth as Jesus and then came back up to heaven to live as Michael. I know, very confusing, much more confusing than trying to explain the Trinity. And then they believe that the Holy Spirit is not the person of the Holy Spirit. They believe that the Holy Spirit is merely just an active force. Yes. Now, you also touched upon the nature of Christ. Jesus is not God the Son. He is the first created being by Jehovah. Yeah. And he was originally yes. Michael the Archangel who came to earth as Christ. So, Cynthia, tell us, what did Jehovah Witnesses teach happened to Christ after the crucifixion? Well, they teach resurrection, but what they have is not a real resurrection. They believe that Jesus' body sort of dissipated into or evaporated into gases, and that the resurrection was a spiritual resurrection, not a bodily resurrection. 
Okay? And, and so we have a different God. They reject the doctrine of the Trinity, the deity of Christ, and the personhood of the Holy Spirit. And also we disagree on the doctrine of salvation. How is someone saved? Tell us the differences there. Well, in Christianity, you're saved by, you know, justification by faith. You put your faith in Jesus Christ, and, and that's how, how you're saved. But in, in the Jehovah's Witnesses, you have to study with them. And after you study with them for a few months, you have to go through this other process, these pre-baptismal questions where they decide whether or not you know enough about being a Jehovah's Witness. Then you get baptized, and after you do all these things, study and get baptized and go to all the meetings and go out and service, actually there is really no way to know that you're saved as a Jehovah's Witness. In fact, the scripture that they like to use is Zephaniah 2.3, and from the New World Translations, it says, perhaps you may be saved in the day of Jehovah's anger, because they're always looking forward to Armageddon. And the only way that you will know that you will be saved is if you live through Armageddon and, and you're saved that way. And that's only if Jehovah has decided that you have done enough for this organization. However, no matter how much you do, it'll never be enough. Ever. Yes, that's typical in the cult organizations where you're saved by faith and works. And no one really has the assurance that they've done enough to please God or Jehovah or Allah or whoever it may be. That's one of the uniquenesses of Christianity, that salvation is not based on what we do. It's on the finished work of Christ, who's already exactly. done it all. So that's one of the big differences or major differences there. Now, many talk about the eschatology. What's the difference between, you know, the eschatology of Jehovah's Witness as compared to those of biblical Christianity? Well, in Jehovah's Witnesses, they believe that uh, there will be an Armageddon and that only members of their organization will be saved. Everything else here on the earth will be destroyed, and uh, those who li will live on into after Armageddon will have to build this uh, paradise earth, and that during this, they do believe in a thousand-year reign of, of Jesus Christ with the 144,000 that have ascended to heaven. <laughs> They will welcome back the, the resurrected and build homes for them here on earth, and they'll have a thousand years to attain perfection, because since they will still have their sinful bodies, they believe that uh, they're going to be getting younger during this thousand years until, until they've got, gotten a perfect body and that their bodies will be equal to what Adam and Eve had in the Garden of Eden. And then when the thousand years are over, they believe they're going to be retested and that, uh, you know, if any of them will mess up or sin or, or whatever, uh, they're going to be zapped by Jehovah and, um, you know, dead, you know, for all eternity. So basically, they're going to be paying a thousand-year mortgage on their salvation. Yeah, wow. With kind of a, uh, a balloon payment at the end. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah. Well, you touched on it a little bit. Tell us about what happens after death for a Jehovah Witness, or, or for anyone, actually. What happens to people, you know, when the physical body dies? Their doctrine is quite significantly different here as well. Right, because they don't believe that we have a, a spiritual being within us. They believe that our bodies 
and our souls are the same thing. So if, you know, if I'm a living being, they believe that, you know, that's a, I'm a living soul and you're a living soul. And so when you die, you're a dead soul. And so your life force, you know, leaves your body, but it's not the personal person of, of you and, and that, you know, it's just, it's just a force. And so when, when you die, you kind of like go into um, sort of a soul sleep but if you're not resurrected and you're not going to be going into the kingdom because maybe, you know, like say, uh, this is what they believe about me. You know, I'm an apostate, and if Armageddon were to come, I'm not going to live through Armageddon. In fact, I will never be resurrected, and I will go to eternal non-existence. Now, for those who are resurrected, you know, there is no soul that exists in heaven or hell. What do they mean when they say that you are resurrected? There's a different definition here as well. Well, it's actually a recreation. <laughs> they don't believe that, that God is going to take the body that you, that you once had, that you once lived with. You know, to me, that's an easy thing for God. You know, if, if he can create the, the entire universe out of nothing, you know, getting people's former bodies together and have them totally resurrected and healed... <laughs> Uh, it's, it's just small potatoes for God. <laughs> right. But uh, they believe that, you know, whoever is resurrected will get this new body. And I don't even know if they teach that you will look the same. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I thought he, you know, they were teaching like you become super cloning that God does. Yeah, it's kind of a cloning, but I don't know that. They say that you will, rec you will recognize your loved ones, but I'm not sure... It's going to be a sort of a, a, a recreation because what happens in their in their belief system, they say all your life force and your um, your memories and everything go with Jehovah. And so when it's time for resurrection, then they kind of implant your your thoughts and your memories into this new body. It's very odd. Yes, <laughs> Cynthia, how has your life changed since leaving? The Jehovah Witness organization. Well, I am so glad I am not a Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> yes, my life has changed in the fact that becoming a Christian has bought, brought me so much joy, and that you know I continually love to learn about the Lord, and you know continually love people, and and I try to get people out of the Watchtower organization. That's why I have this support group that I've been running since 2002. You know, also, you know, became very interested in apologetics so that, you know, I would be able to teach people who have come out of cults or false religion, you know, so I could, you know, effectively teach them the Bible. And so that people would understand, you know, what what God's plan is for their lives and what the Bible really has to say. The Watchtower has a book called, What Does the Bible Really Teach? And I always say that the title really should say, What Does the Watchtower Say the Bible Teaches? And we cannot, we cannot learn Bible through another book. We have to read it ourselves. We have to read it in context and do some fact-finding, you know, check the history, you know, look at the history of Christianity, look at the history as far as first century history, you know, look at, look at all those things. And I, I think that my life has just really changed because I am continually learning and always into to the Bible and it just brings me total joy.
Yes, you know, a lot of those who come in out of the kingdom of the cults tell me that they experience joy like they never had before. And freedom, the freedom that they have in Christ is something they experienced for the first time when they came out of these organizations. Was that also an experience of yours? Oh, yes, the freedom. Yes, definitely. Because when you're a Jehovah's Witness, you don't have the freedom to do your own research. You don't have the freedom to ask questions. And I found that as a Christian, the questions that I had were always answered, you know, like the Bible Answer Man, one that I used to listen to through Walter Martin. I mean, that was just a total gift to be able to ask the questions and get the answers. And that's what we have today is, is uh, we have a whole lot of people out there in the world who don't know anything about Christianity, whether they come from the cult, whether they're atheists or agnostics. We have to be ready to give them answers. We have to be learned ourselves and understand what the Bible uh, teaches, what God's uh, plans are for us as human beings, and how we can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Christ and why this is so important for us. Yes, that's why, you know, it's important. Uh, that's the role of apologetics. And, and that's why it's important. Your organization and organizations like mine exist to provide, you know, evidence and answers to those who are indeed seeking. Well, Cynthia, tell me, what encouragement would you offer to those who may be listening today who, who may be considering leaving the Watchtower organization? The first thing you need to do is just take your time don't do anything rash, think it through and do it slowly. Some of the things that uh, some other people who are in my support group have done have just sort of, instead of just, you know, walking away and not looking back, that can be very psychologically harmful for them. A lot of people experience depression or, you know, and and then, you know, there's a high suicide rate among Jehovah's Witnesses. First, I would study a lot. I would would actually read the Bible for myself, and I would just start studying all the things and comparing what the Bible says to what the Watchtower says. And when you're ready, finally, to walk away, then you, can, then you can do it with some sort of dignity, and you, you know the reason that you're leaving. And I would find friends, and you could find, you know, Facebook has a lot of Facebook groups. There, you know, we have support groups out there for ex-Jehovah's Witnesses. Some of the churches, you know, are, are really good, and you can call a church, tell them your problem, tell them you've left Jehovah's Witnesses, and you need counseling. Some of the bigger churches offer counseling. It would also be very good if you could find an ex-Jehovah's Witness out there to help you through it, you know, because... You don't have to do it alone. <laughs> you can, you know, find a friend, find a, a, another ex-Jehovah's Witness that can really help you through some of the, the transition process of getting out of the organization, you know, knowing that you're going to lose your family, knowing that you're going to lose all your friends. Tell us briefly how people can find out about some of these organizations and how they could get in touch with some ex-Jehovah's Witnesses. Where would they go? Well, on Facebook, there are a lot of ex-Jehovah's Witness uh, groups. There are one on Facebook that I recommend. I think it's called, there's a Christian ex-Jehovah's Witness group on Facebook. Also on meetup.com, you can go in there and search for ex-Jehovah's Witnesses. And you'll find meetup groups all over the country. The only thing is you have to kind of use caution because a lot of the, the meetup groups out there are atheist. Right, uh-huh. So the problem is that we've had so many people, so many of the Jehovah's Witnesses who have left and they're out there and, and they're pretty vocal. A lot of them are atheist. 
So you have to kind of, you know, use caution and, you know, use, uh, use a lot of good discernment as to who you're going to get involved with. Yes, those very wise words there. Well, you know, as we start wrapping up this show, uh, you know, Cynthia, tell us, you know, when a Jehovah Witness comes to your door or you meet them on the street or at work, what's the best approach when entering into a discussion with uh, the Jehovah Witness that appears at your door? Well, the first thing is you're not going to want to attack them or their organization or their doctrine, you know, first off. You want to be like what Jesus would do, you know, you're going to build a relationship. And, you know, Jesus was all about, you know, when he was with the people, it was about relationships and healing. And uh, you know that the person at your door, it, you know, that could even be a lost sheep, somebody who had once been in the church and left. So you kind of have to think of the person that, or people at your door who are Jehovah's Witnesses as lost sheep and that you have to tend to them. And, you know, they're going to just need some TLC and uh, just the love that, I, that you as a Christian can give. And uh, once, once you've been able to build a relationship with them and make friends with them, you can start asking them questions. And then, you know, the first off, you can find points of agreement as to what you believe together, you, you know, that God exists, that the Bible is inerrant and the inspired Word of God, that Jesus is the Messiah, and that we are all descended from Adam, and that we are all sinners who need a Savior, and that Christians should maintain high moral standards. So if you can start from those points of agreement and then work your way down to other uh, topics, that would always be a good thing. Yes, you know, that's a great point there. You know, in my younger day, when I first became a Christian, I came to know Jesus Christ, and they would knock on my door. You know, I was zealous to preach to them and, you know, go on the attack like you talked about. But eventually, you know, as I got hopefully wiser, you know, and more mature, began to first develop friendships with them and then uh, engage them in great discussion here. And we've, we've got to see many come to Christ. So you bring up a great point. Often when I first meet Jehovah Witnesses or, or we begin talking, I just start asking questions. Often they'll just stop and look at you and say, are you Christian? Do you believe in the Trinity? And they'll start wanting to go down that road right away. What do you recommend when it comes to that point and they start questioning, are you a Christian? Do you believe in the Trinity? In those first few conversations, what do you recommend when that comes up? I try to not go there, you know, when they say, they, sometimes they ask me what church I go to, and I say, well, you know, I, I go to church, you know, but I, I never name the, the church or anything like that. I said, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a Bible-believing Christian. You don't have to give them information. And then, you know, if they say, do you believe in the Trinity? And go, well, I'll believe in the Trinity if the Bible teaches it, you know, something like that. But if they start wanting to, you know, go to the Trinity and, and start that way, I, I try to I, I try to avoid the subject of the Trinity until I know them a lot better, yeah. and uh, because that trin- the word Trinity is a real trigger word with them, right. because you know they hear Trinity and they think three-headed God. Right. Yeah, so I mean, that's good advice, and we want to clarify for our listeners. We do talk about the Trinity and the deity of Christ uh, with Jehovah's Witnesses, but initially, talking when you first meet with them, we want to try and establish a relationship and a friendship with them before you know we start going into those subjects. So right. uh, that's what we're saying, right? Yes. Yes, definitely. You know, Cynthia, as we bring the show to a close, where can people find out information about you and your organization if they have further questions and want further information? Well, let's see. I have a blog 
and it's called XJW's Los Angeles. It's a, a blog spot. So if you if you just Google XJW's Los Angeles blog, you'll find my blog. You can read all about you know I, I post an article every so often. I I'm, I'm not a real active writer, but because I work full time and sometimes it's difficult to get in a blog <laughs> on a regular basis. And then I also have a support group through through Meetup, and and so you can find former Watchtower followers online on Meetup.com. And that's how they can get a hold of me. Fantastic. You're listening to Evidence and Answers, where we had a very fascinating interview with Cynthia Hampton. And you can find out information about her there on on her website and uh, her organization. So, Cynthia, thank you for coming on Evidence and Answers and sharing your story with us today. And thank you very much for inviting me. I enjoyed it. We've run out of time. Thank you so much for joining us here on Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast. We hope you enjoyed the show today. If you would like Pat to speak at your church, Bible study, or perhaps hold an apologetics conference, give him a call locally in Hawaii. That number is 483-0586. Or you may contact him through the Evidence and Answers website at evidenceandanswers.org. To keep broadcasts like Pat's on the air, we rely on generous support from you. For the opportunity to donate, head on over to our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. You may do so right there online on the homepage. You'll find we have a wide variety of resources available to you, including articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. So be sure to share our website with your family, your friends, and your church. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucran. 